Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Zat Hashem, we're continuing on today in Masechet Sanhedrin with Dalit Amud Aleph. We're beginning at the top of the page, Amar Yitzchak Bar Yosef. We're going to have two sections in today's learning. Really, it's a continuum of the previous sugyat to understand the Machlokis Rebbe and the Rabbanan. If you need three or five judges when it comes to monetary cases, we already gave one reason, refuted that, gave a second reason. So the first section today will be Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef really supporting the second answer that we said, and he'll show like opinions in five places. And then we'll have as the second section of the Deiravacha Bar Yaakov refuting that and then giving an alternative explanation of Rebbe and the Rabbanan, which will lead us into tomorrow to understand these five Tanaim, how they would side based on this new understanding. So let's just remember where we're holding before we go ahead. We had a Machlok at Rebbe and the Rabbanan. Sorry, before, before we continue, I want to mention also, we're learning as Refuah Shlema for Yaakov ben Dina. Bezat Hashem, our learning should be as a Zichut for him. He should have a Refuah very quickly and speedily in our days. Now, we had a Machlok at Rebbe and the Rabbanan, which was, do you need three people to judge monetary cases, or do you need five? The, the Rabbanan said you need three. Rebbe said you need five. And that's a Chidush to say five. We've always been saying you only need a court of three. So the Gemara attempted to understand where does Rebbe get his opinion from. So the first answer we said, again, this is the bottom of Gimel Amudbet, we assumed must be he holds that when we deduce the number three from Elohim three times, or two times adding another one because it can't be even, it doesn't mean the number you start off the court case with, but rather it means the number in the end who have to paskin in a certain direction as the majority in order to follow that psak. But the Gemara said that's obviously not logical because we find by the 23-person court and 71-person courts that that's not the case. So rather we said a second understanding of Rebbe, and this is where we left off with yesterday. We said really the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan is contingent on a Shas Machloket, a general debate throughout Shas, which is, do we say Yesh Em Lemekra or Yesh Em Lemesoret? So what did that mean? He said like this, Pasuk tells us three times Elohim. That's true. The first one we're not going to expound because you don't expound Indor Shint Chilot as we explain. So we have the second one and the third one. Now, the, the second and third time it's in one Pasuk, but the third time it appears, Pasuk tells us Asher Yarshi'un Elohim. Now, Yarshi'un Elohim is to be understood, as we're explaining now. Elohim is to be understood plural, too. Why is it understood plural? Because the word Yarshi'un is also plural. So if the verb is plural, Elohim has to be plural as well, which means two. If the third time Elohim appears, it means two judges. So the second time also, it'll mean two judges. You can't have an equal court of four, so therefore it has to be, add one more for five. This is Rebbe following the position of Yesh Em Lemekra, is that we read it, the word Elohim, even though there's no Vav Yashi'un, Yashi'un is to be read, Yashi'un as a plural language, they shall incriminate, they shall say he's guilty, even though it's written without a Vav, we expound the verse how it is read, not the way it's written. But the rabbis, the Rabbanan disagree. 
The Rabbanan hold yesh em lemesoret. Yesh em lemesoret means we give primacy, or the way we understand the drashot in the Torah is the way it's written, not the way we necessarily read it. And since it's written, yarshi'an, there's no vav there, yarshi'un, there's no vav actually between the ayin and the nun, so it could be understood yarshi'an, which is singular. So the Elohim there is singular, the Elohim previous is singular, which means you have two, can't have an equal chord, so therefore you have three. This is where we left off, that the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan is contingent on this general Shas Machloket, Machloket throughout the Talmud, throughout Shas, which is, do we expound verses based on the Mesoret, which is the Rabbanan's position, not the way it's read, but the way it's actually written, in this context, Yashian would then be singular, or do we expound the Psukim, Yesh Em Lemikra, the way it's read, which is Rebbe, he holds it's red Yarshiun, therefore it's plural. Elohim is therefore plural. So you have a total of four because Elohim plus Elohim would be plural at four. And then you would add one more five because it would have to be an odd man in the court. Fine. This is where we left off yesterday. The second and understanding we have now so far of this debate, Rebbe and the Rabbanan. Now, Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef, we're about to continue with, is actually going to support this understanding and show us five Tanaim in total, Rebbe being one of them, who seem to hold of this position of Yesh Em Lemikra. There is primacy when it comes to Drasha to follow the way a Pasuk is read, not the way a Pasuk is written. So let's see. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef. Now, we have to remember these because we're going to have to tie back into these when this ultimately is refuted. Yitzchak Bar Yosef says the following. I'm Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi, one. Ve'Rabbi Yehuda ben Roetz, two. Ubet Shammai, three. Ve'Rabbi Shimon, four. Ve'Rabbi Akiva, five. All of these Tanaim, Kulus Firalahu, all of them hold, Yesh Em Lemikra. That if we have a Pasuk that could be Darshan, could be expounded based on the way it's written, which is the Mesoret, or based on the way it's read, which is the Mikra, will expound it based on the way it's read. So now what Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef is going to do is to go through each of these and show us from Mishnayot and Brayta'ot where we find these five Tanaim hold Yesh Em Mikra. So first one is easy because we already did it. Rebbe Hadamaran. So Rebbe, we've already said. Rebbe says, we paskind, that Yarshiun Elohim, Yarshiun is plural since it's red plural, and therefore Elohim is plural, it's two. We compare Elohim to Elohim, so that's four. And then you add one more, so that's not an even number, and therefore you have a total of five. So Rebbe, we've already shown, Rebbe Yitzhak by Yosef says, that he holds, you darshan the psukim, you expound the verses based on the mikra, the way it's read, not the way it's written. But now we continue on with the ones that we don't know about yet. Rabbi Yudah ben Ro'etz. What is the position of Rabbi Yudah ben Ro'etz that he clearly holds, yesh em le mikra? Before we see this inside, just a bit of a background. We know that the halacha is when a woman gives birth, she becomes tameh as a yoledet. She's tameh as a woman who recently gave birth. And there's a certain number of days that she's deemed tameh in the Torah. This isn't exactly applicable perfectly today's, in today's day and age. It means the Tumah is certainly applicable. But in terms of the numbers that we're about to share, it's not necessarily exactly applicable. But the Torah teaches nonetheless as follows. There is a time period following when a woman gives birth that her tum'ah, her dam, the blood that she continues to experience from the birth and on, is considered demei tum'ah, that the, the blood is considered tam'eh, meaning she's still tam'eh to be with her husband. There is an extended period beyond that, which is called demei tahara, 
blood of purity, literally. But it means is, after the time period of Demei Tum'ah, the blood of Tum'ah, she'll go to the mikvah, and then blood that she continues to see is not going to be something that makes her Tamei to her husband. However, she's still prohibited to eat korbanot. In order to allow her to eat korbanot, at the end of this entire process, she'll have to, again, bring korbanot, etc., process at the end of the entirety of it, and then she'll be permitted in Kodshim korbanot as well. Now, we know, as the psukim imply, that there's a distinction how long these two time periods are between if a woman has a daughter or if a woman has a son. So what do the psukim say? Psukim in Parashat Tazria. It says as follows, that first time period of Demei Tum'ah for having a daughter is 14 days, for having a son is only 7 days. After that, she goes to the mikveh and she's permitted to her husband. And then the extended period, which we call Demei Tara, that the blood she sees doesn't necessarily contaminate her to her husband, for a daughter is 66 more days, for a son is 33 more days. Meaning for a son, it's much less. We're talking about these days of uh, impurity and as also the blood of Tara. The end of this procedure, meaning after... 7 plus 33, which means after 40 days for a boy, and after 14 plus 66, which means after 80 days for a girl, 14 plus 66, 80 for a girl, then she brings, again, goes to the mikveh, brings korbanot, and she's considered uh, permitted to consume korbanot. Now, the pasuk says, when it comes to having a daughter, it says shivu'ayim. Shivu'ayim means that her original days of tum'ah are two weeks. Shavu'ah is a week, shivu'ayim is plurality of weeks. She's tmei'ah for two weeks. But the word shivu'ayim, if you take out the nikudot that we know to read it with, shivu'ayim, you could actually read it as if it's shiv'im, which means, the we're going to see the students of Rabbi Yudah ben Ro'etz asked him, maybe her tum'ah is not really for 14 days, for two weeks, but maybe it's actually for shiv'im, for 70 days. If you hold Yeshem, meaning if you if you take it in, in the context that's actually written, not the way we know uh, traditionally to read, maybe it means seventy days. So let's see. From this, we're going to deduce again. Let's keep the train of thought that Rabbi Yudah ben Roetz ultimately is the one who holds, like like Rabbi Yitzchak bar Yosef is saying Yeshem lemikra. So let's see the brayta inside. Rabbi Yudah ben Roetz, the Tanya of a brayta that says as follows: Shalu talmidim at Rabbi Yudah ben Roetz. The students asked Rabbi Yudah ben Roetz. Ekra'ani shiv'im, maybe the way to read the verse that a woman is tamay after having a girl is 70, shiv'im, and not shvu'ayim. Yechol teheyo let it nekevat me'ah shiv'im. So maybe if a woman gives birth to a girl, she should be tamay'ah not for two weeks, but actually her initial stage of tumah should be for 70 days, much more. So Marlehen, initially Rabbi Yudab ben Ro'et said, not a question. Why is it not a question? Because we have a comparison, or what's called a mematzinu, a comparison of similar ideas between having a boy and having a girl. What is that? Amar Lehen, he says like this, We have the concept of the days of Tumah and Tara by a boy, which is 7 and 33. And we have the same idea of those days of the blood of purity and impurity when it comes to having a daughter. Just as the days of the blood of purity when it comes to a male, which is 33, when it comes to a daughter, we know it's double, it's 66. So this creates a precedent, is that the Deme Tahara of a girl is double the Deme Tahara of having a, do- a, a, a boy, a son. So it's 66 instead of 33, which is for a boy, a son. 
So af similarly, based on mematzinu, based on simple comparison, the days of impurity, of the blood of impurity, initial days, of a male, which is seven, bin keivakiflayim. It's logical that for a female, for a daughter, should also be double. And thus we know shvuayim is the way to read the pasuk. It means 14 days, two weeks, not shivim, not 70 days. Now that's how Rabbi Yehuda bar Ro'etz initially answered their question. Ben Ro'etz initially answered their question. But la'achar she'yatz'u, after they left, yatza'u machzerach went back to his students, and he wanted to amend what he said. He said, we don't need a mematzinu in order to uh, a comparison of comparing the zachar and the keva, the male and female, son and daughter, in order to deduce that it is to be read shvu'ayim. Marlaheni said, We don't need this. I mean, it's not necessary for us to deduce that it's two weeks and not 70 days based on this comparison. But rather, shvu'ayim karinan, the way we read it is shvu'ayim. And the way we darshim psukim is traditionally how it's read. So since it's traditionally read as shvu'ayim, that's what's the, the the general way we read it. That's our tradition as to how the verse is meant to be read. We don't read it shiv'im, so clearly Rabbi Huda ben Ro'etz holds, yesh'em lemikra, even though mesoret, you look at it, it could be shiv'im, nonetheless, since the way we have traditionally to read it is shvu'ayim, it's also 14 days, as that is the way, yesh'em lemikra. So we've shown so far that Rebbe and Rabbi Yehuda ben Ro'etz hold that the way to read this verse is, is, is the way to darshim Sukim expound verses is Yesh Em Lemikra. Continues the Gemara. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef continues and says, How do we know Beit Shammai, the third of these Tanayim, also holds Yesh Em Lemikra? Okay, so just a brief background before we see this inside. This is a Mishnah in Pesachim, which we're going to have to understand in a minute. The Allah is as follows We know when a person brings a korban, one of the important steps in the sacrifice of the korban is rikat adam, is sprinkling the blood of that korban. Actually, the atonement that a person receives is achieved when he sprinkles the blood. That's considered the kapara, when he achieves atonement, when he sprinkles the blood on the mizbeach. Now, the mizbeach achitzon, the outer mizbeach, which is where they sprinkle the blood generally, had a chuta sikra, which was a red line that surrounded it, separating the top half of the mizbeach from the bottom half of the mizbeach. This red line determined the distinction between the upper and lower parts of the mizbeach, which was important because certain korbanot, the blood was sprinkled on the top half of the mizbeach, and certain korbanot, the blood was sprinkled on the lower half of the mizbeach. Now, in order to understand this next mishnah, as we'll show, Let's just give a brief background about how that works. Most korbanot, olah, shlamim, asham, the blood was sprinkled on the lower half of the mizbeach, number one. And two, there were two applications of the blood that were made, which was the, what the Gemara called shtayim shehein arba. Two applications, which was like four. But what does that mean? It means that there were these corners on the four, or horns, as if, but it means corners on the each on all the corners of the mizbeach. So they would apply two applications of blood to the corners, but to two different corners, and by doing so, it would hit the four sides. Two applications, which turned into four, because it was applied to the corner, and it would spread. So it was two applications that ended up being four. So again, 
Most korbanot, which is hola, shlamim, asham, it was applied, the blood was applied on the lower half of the mizbeach, under the chut sikra, this red line, and there were two applications which ended up being like four placements of blood because it would spread in the corner to the two sides that it would hit. Regarding a chatat, it was different in both accounts. The korban chatat, was, the blood was applied above this chut sikra, and there were four applications made altogether. Four applications initially were made in order to be yotze. Now this is all lechatchila. What we're going to show in this Mishnah is, what about Bidiyavad? Let's say a person diminished the amount of applications that he is meant to do when it comes to sprinkling the blood. So how would you still be yotze if you diminish less than what it's supposed to be lechatchila? So let's see. Beit Shammai, and from this we're going to deduce that Beit Shammai holds Yeshem Lamikra. How does it work? Ditanan, the Mishnah Mesech Pesachim says as follows. Beit Shammai Omrim, Beit Shammai says, Any korbanot that are meant to be sprinkled on the outer Mizbeach, which again, let's refer to the category that are sprinkled below, the Chut HaSikra, Ola, Shlamim, Asham, etc., if instead of sprinkling two applications, like we said, they're meant to be done, he only sprinkled one application. So the halacha is, kiper. it is effective still. He has still achieved an atonement. And this is the position of Beit Shammai. So if instead of sprinkling two sprinklings, he sprinkled one time, for again, for this first category that are meant to be on the lower part of the Mizbeach, and he was supposed to do lechatchilo two sprinklings, he only did one, kiper, he still receives an atonement. Some take out this gear Rashi has it, Shana'amar, Vedam Zavachachi Shafech. As it says in the Pasuk, the blood of your sacrifices you shall pour. It implies one motion. So even one time, one sprinkling would be sufficient, Bidiyavad, but it would be sufficient for this first type of korbanot. However, if it's the chatat, which lachatchila requires four applications on the mizbeach, so says Beit Shammai, if you did two, again, it's not lachatchila, but if you did two applications of the blood on the mizbeach, you, again, you'd be yotze bidiyavad. So what comes out is, according to Beit Shammai, if you apply for the korbanot, which is the first category of korbanot that require two applications, if you did just one application, yotze bidiyavad. If you're regarding the chatat, which requires four applications, so if you did two applications, also yotzei b'diyavad. Less than that, you wouldn't be, though. Ubeitilel, omim beitilel, argue. They say, af bechatat shenatnan b'matana, achat, even with a chatat, if you only did one application, again, the chatchil requires four, but b'diyavad, even if you only did one, kiper, so the Mishnah Pesachim finishes off there, it still acts as an atonement, and it's effective b'diyavad. That's the machlok. Amar Rav Huna, and Rav Huna continues and explains, my time at the Beit Shammai, why does Beit Shammai say that in regards to this chatat, you need at least two applications with the avad of the blood, otherwise you wouldn't be yotze? Because the psukim there in regards to korban chatat say the word karnot three times. Karnot means the corners. So it says it three times. It says karnot, karnot, karnot. Now as we're going to see, it's not written malay with the vav, each of those three times. But Beit Shammai hold yesh em lemikra, that we expound the psukim as they are read, and therefore, since they're expounded as they're read, karnot is plural. So therefore, it would mean, karnot, 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 means you apply it to six corners, because two plus two plus two is six. Hare kan shesh, that would imply six. Now, there's not six corners in the Mizbech, there's only four. So why does it teach six, according to Beit Shammai? Arba'a le mitzvah, it means 
before is to be yotzei lechatchila. In order to be yotzei lechatchila, when it comes to the chatat, you should apply to the four corners. However, the other two that are being referenced in the pasuk, v'shtayim la'kev. The other two are to tell us that b'diavad, as long as you did two, the last word, karnot, is to tell us you would be still yotzei b'diavad even though you weren't yotzei lechatchila. So that's why it writes karnot six times. Four times lechatchila, Two times at least, you would be yotze if you applied to two times on the Mizbeach for the Chatat, you'd be yotze b'diavad. That's the position of Beit Shammai. Ubeitilel omri, but Beitilel say, seemingly they hold yesh em l'mesoret, we expound the verses as they're written, not as they're read, and therefore if you look at these psukim that are written regarding the corners of the Mizbeach, it says, karnot, the first one's plural, but the other two are karnat, karnat, they're written in the singular format, they're read karnot practically, but but it's written without a vav. So therefore, you have to expound it as if it's karnat, which is singular. So it's two plus one plus one. Hare kan arba. That means you only have a total of four. So Beit Hillel say as follows. Gim mitzvah. Three of them are there to teach us that ideally you should have the three more in addition to the first one. Lechatchila for the chatat, you should do four applications on the corners to be yotze. But ve'achat la'kev. One of them is to teach us that as long as you did the first one, you're Yotzei B'diavad, and that's why even if you did one sprinkling of the blood on the Mizbeach, only one application for the Chatat, you'd still be Yotzei B'diavad. Now the Gemara asks an obvious question of Beit Hillel. Wait a second. According to Beit Shammai, I understand, they hold Yesh Em Lemikras. You have six words of corners to expound. There's not six corners, so there's two extra to teach you. B'diavad, you're Yotzei if you sprinkle on two, two times in the Mizbeach for a Chatat. But according to you, Beit Hillel, you need all four because you hold yesh em lemesoret to teach us bichlal that you need a lechatchila, put it on all four. So maybe, b'diavad, you don't even need to put it on one to be yotze because there's nothing extra here in terms of saying that one application would be necessary even b'diavad. Ve'em akul lemitzvah. Maybe all of these verses, according to you, Beit Hillel, that you're saying yesh em lemesoret, they're all there simply to teach us lechatchila, you need to put it on all four. But b'diavad, you don't need even need to put it on one in order to be Yotze. Maybe that's, that should be the pshat according to you. There's nothing extra for drush. So the Gemara answers, that's illogical. Why is that illogical? You might not derive it from the verses, but B'diavad, it has to be at least on one, one application for the Chatat, because Kapara Bechdi Lo Eshkachen. We know that the sprinkling of the blood is how you achieve the Kapara, you achieve atonement. And it's illogical to say you achieve atonement without performing even one application. So simply by logic, it has to be one application is necessary in order to achieve at least this level of atonement, otherwise you wouldn't be even Yotzei B'diavad, your Kapara. But the bottom line is, what we see from here is, Beit Shammai hold that the Psukim are expounded in the plural the plural form, because that's the way they're read. So says Rav Yitzhak Bar Yosef, this is the third Tana we find, who holds Yesh Em Lemikra, we expound Psukim based on the way they're read, not the way they're written. Let's move on to the fourth now. Rabbi Shimon. This is a discussion in Mesechet Sukkah. Now, before we see this inside, let's understand outside. Rabbi Shimon is discussing a halakha that has to do with the walls of a sukkah. We know we build a sukkah in Sukkot. There are certain laws that guide us in terms of having the heksher sukkah. What is the basic requirement to have a kosher sukkah? So there's a halakha le Moshe Sinai, which means... Uh, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu on Sinai, he gave over the Torah Shebikhtav, what was written, the written Torah, which is Tanakh, or Torah. 
and Torah Shabal Peh, Mishnayot and Gemara. But there were also some things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu whispered to Moshe on the side that Moshe was supposed to pass down from generation to generation, and this became known as Halacha Moshe Sinai. Halacha to Moshe from Sinai. So there are certain things the Torah might write something clearly, but this special, unique halacha as given to Moshe on Sinai, it's like HaKadosh Baruch Hu whispered in the back to Moshe, tell the future generations this as well, even when that might not actually work directly with the psukim in the Torah. So we'll see. The halacha of Moshe Sinai we're going to talk about in Sukkah is that the last wall of Sukkah, in order for a Sukkah to be kosher, doesn't have to be a full seven amot, like a proper wall, but it could even be one tefach. Or seven tefachim, excuse me. It could be one tefach. It could be even one tefach. You don't have to have a full wall. It could just be one tefach and that's sufficient. However, there is a machloket as we're about to see. How many walls are required for a sukkah? And however many walls are going to be required for sukkah will apply that halacha Moshe Sinai to say the last one could be a tefach. Which means the last of the count that we're about to show could be a tefach and the sukkah would still be kosher. So let's see that inside. Rabbi Shimon de Tanya, as the Brayta illustrates, Shtayim kil chatan v'shlishit afilu tefach. So the Tanakam and the Brayta says, Masechet Sukkah, that two of the walls of a sukkah have to be full-sized walls. And the third, afilu tefach, could be even a tefach. So you could have two walls, and the third could even be a tefach. In Masechet Sukkah, the Gemara discusses where does that tefach have to be placed. But it doesn't have to be a, a full third wall. It could be even the size of a tefach, a hand's breadth, which is a very small amount. Rabbi Shimon, Omer Rabbi Shimon argues, he says a little more. He says, Shloshak Yelchatan, you need three proper walls. And the fourth wall could be, it would be sufficient, even a tefach. What is the basis of machloket between the Tanakama and the Rabbanan and Rabbi Shimon? Rabbanan Savri, the Rabbanan hold, Yesh Eim Lemesoret. We expound the verses as they are read, not, sorry, as they're written, traditionally not as they're read. And Rabbi Shimon holds that we expound the verses as they're read, not as they're written. Rabbanan Savar Yeshem Lemesorat. Rabbanan say you expound the verses as they are written. And therefore, if you look in the Torah, it uses the word Sukkot three times. And from this, we deduce the number of walls in a Sukkah. However, if you look, two of them are written without a Vav and one is written with a Vav. So therefore, it would be read as follows. Basukat, Basukat, Basukot. One plus one plus two is four. Harekan arba. That gives us a total of four walls that would be required to have a kosher sukkah. Dal chad Oh, an important point here. You don't expound the first one like we learned earlier, because we said earlier, Ein dor shint chilot. Whenever the first word appears in a context, you don't utilize it for number. So therefore, pashulah hutlat. You're left with a total of three. So this halacha Moshe Sinai tells us that if you have three, the third one is diminished. It doesn't have to be a full third wall, but it could just be a tefach. And thus the Rabbanan say you could have two walls plus a tefach. That's a sufficient uh, measurement for sukkah. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon argues because he holds Yeshem Lemekra. And therefore he expounds all three verses as Basukot, Basukot, Basukot. Two plus two plus two, Harei Kan Sheish, which is six. 
Now again, remove one of those verses which removes actually two walls for the beginning, the fact that it's the introductory verse. You can't use that for a drasha. Pashulu arba. So you're left with four. And now that you remove one because, or you deduce one, you diminish one because of the halacha Moshe Sinai that says the fourth one doesn't actually have to be a full wall, but it could just be a tefach. Therefore, you're left with three walls plus a tefach, and that's sufficient for a sukkah to be kosher. But the bottom line is we've shown also in the position of Rabbi Shimon that we darshan the words plurally because they're read that way. Thus he holds the fourth opinion, yesh em lemikra. So far, so good. So we have four opinions so far where Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Yosef said, all hold that we expound the verses as they're read, not as they're written. Now the fifth and final one is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, in the Brayta, is going to discuss halacha of Tum'ah. We know when it comes to Tum'ah, which is spiritual contamination, Tum'ah is not something physical. It's not a person becomes dirty, but there's a certain spiritual element that a person could become defiled or tameh. Now, specifically, when it comes to uh, contact with the dead, there's what's called tumat met. There's three ways a person could become tameh met. If he touches a dead body, carries a dead body, or he's in ohela met. Ohela met means in an enclosure along with a dead body. These halachot are extensive and complicated, but we're just going to focus in on what's necessary for today. Regarding ohela met, the a tent of a dead body or a cover with a dead body. If a person's in some sort of a canopy or coverage with a dead body, he could contract Tum'ah from that. And that's where there's a body. But what if there's other parts of a body? So the halacha is, and everybody agrees, the blood of a dead person can also convey Tum'ah in a, in a ohel, in a contained area. A revi'it of blood, which is a quarter lug of blood, that can convey Tum'ah to a Another person, if they're in the same uh, contained area as a revi'it of blood of a dead body. Now that's where it's of one dead body. But we have a machlok et tanaim. What if you have that amount, a revi'it of blood, and it's a combination of two different dead bodies' blood? Is that sufficient to convey tumah to the person who's in the same enclosure as that revi'it of blood? So the Gemara says as follows. The Brayta says, Rabbi Akiva Detan, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Minayin l'revi'it dam she'yatsa mishne metim. If a revi'it of blood emerged from two different bodies, how do we know shemitameh ba'ohel, it also has the capacity to convey tumah, says Rabbi Akiva in the ohel, in the contained area. Shene'emar, like the Pasuk says, akol nafshot meit lo yavo. It says, on all, this time at a Kohen actually, but all of the nafshot, which is plural, the souls of a dead body, lo yavo, the Kohen cannot pass over, cannot come in contact with. So says Rabbi Akiva, what does it show? Nafshot is plural. Shtei nefashot, it means if you have two bodies that produce blood, vishi'ur achat, and it's only one measure that would generally contaminate, i.e. it's a revi'it, it's the smaller measure of a revi'it from two different bodies, nonetheless, it will still convey tum'ah to the people who are in the same uh, tent as it, or the same enclosed area as that dead body, as, as that blood. For Rabbanan, but the Rabbanan say, oh, wait a second, it doesn't say nafshot with a vav. It's actually written as if it's nafshat, which is singular. Nafshat ktiv, and the, the Pasuk says nafshat, so it's singular, and therefore it's only if it's a revi'it of blood from one dead body, not if it's a revi'it of blood from two dead bodies. So the bottom line you see, Rabbi Akiva expounds the verse as a plurality because it's read that way, even though it's written without a vav. So we see, says Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef, that these five opinions 
including Rebbe, the four more plus Rebbe, four Tanaim plus Rebbe, all seem to hold, we expound verses based on the way they're written, not the way that they are, based on the way they're read, not the way that they are written. Now, Rabbanan, sorry, good. Now, the Gemara is about to do in the second section of the day is Rav Achabar Yaakov is going to pull the rug out of this entire attempt to explain the position of Rebbe as it relates to this machloket about three and five judges. The problem that Rav Achabar Yaakov is going to show is that clearly everyone holds we expound verses as yesh em lemikra, as they're read and not written. Why? Because as we're about to show very clearly, there is a very famous drasha that says, Lotifashel gidi bachalev imo, that uh, you're not allowed to eat a gidi as a cooked a kid, but it means meat, bachalev imo in its mother's milk. This is the source in the Torah, you're not allowed to eat meat and milk together. Cook, eat, etc. Now, if you don't hold yesh em lemekra, so the word chalev, which means milk, could also be read as chalev. Chalev is fat. So if you don't hold Yeshem Lemekran, you don't expound it as it's read, but you expound it as it's written, so then perhaps there's a prohibition to cook meat with fat and not with milk. There's no issue with that. But then where would we know that there's a prohibition of cooking meat and milk? So the Gemara says, obviously, it must be everybody agrees Yeshem Lemekran. But if that's the case, you can't explain that's the machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan because then the Rabbanan wouldn't have any basis of saying three people is necessary for a monetary court. So therefore, Rav Achabar Yaakov is going to conclude actually is everyone holds Yeshem Lemikra. We have to explain these debates differently. So Mat Gifler Rav Achabar Yaakov, last line of Daldamud Aleph, Rav Achabar Yaakov asked a strong question against this whole approach of Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Yosef and really the second explanation of Rebbe. Is there any opinion who does, doesn't agree with Yeshem Lemikra that you expound verses as they're read? But we know Vatanya the Brayta teaches, we expound that you can't cook meat in milk of its mother, in milk. So maybe it means you can't cook it in fat. But then, where would we know that you're not, you're not allowed to cook meat and milk together? Turning to Dalaramudbet. So the answer to that is, obviously, is Yeshem Lemekra, is that verses are to be expound as they're read, not as they're written, and therefore, says, says Rav Achabar Yaakov, it must be the Rabbanan agreed to that as well. But then you can't tell me the approach that you were saying until now, that these arguments are based on if you hold Yeshem Lemekra or Misoret, because clearly everyone agrees to Yeshem Lemekra. So now what Rav Achabar Yaakov is going to have to do is to explain a third pshat in Rebbe, the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan, and now he's going to have to go through all of these Machloktim that Rav Yitzchak Bar Yosef was quoting, which is four more, in order to understand how they argue if it can't be based on a simple Machloket of Yesh Em Mikra and Yesh Em Lemesorit. Now we're just going to start it, we'll continue on with the second one tomorrow. But the Gemara says, Yesh Em Mikra. So Rav Achabar Yaakov says, rather, everybody holds Yesh Em Mikra. The Rebbe v'Rabbanan ba'akemifligi. So how do we understand then the Machloket Rebbe and the Rabbanan? So the Machloket is like this. Again, let's remember, the Pasuk tells us Elohim three times. You can't expound the first one. So you really have the second and the third one to deal with. Now initially we thought Yarshi'an. It's either Yarshi'an, which is Misoret, or Yarshi'un, which is plural, and therefore Elohim would be two or one, depending on how you expound in Mikra or Misoret. But we're saying now everybody holds Yeshem Mikra. So what's the Machloket now? Rebbe Savar, Rebbe holds Yarshi'un Elohim Acharini. Yarshi'un Elohim is like we said before, which is as follows. 
the end of the second verse where it says Elohim again, it says they, the judges, shall incriminate. Now Yarshi'un, Yarshi'un is plural. So therefore, since it's plural, and the Rabbanon are not going to have to agree to this. We'll see in a moment how they, how they darshan. Yarshi'un is plural, and therefore it tells us the noun associated Elohim is also plural, but acharini. It means this Elohim is other two. Meaning to say is, you have the first Elohim that appears in the verse, which is deduced from the second Elohim that appears in the verse. The second one is two, based on the verb Yarshi'un, and therefore the first one is also two. It's talking about two different groups, so two plus two equals four. You can't have an even court, merely you need to have five, exactly like we understood Rebbe before. But what about the Rabbanan? The Rabbanan, how do they understand that it's only two and then a third is because it can't be even? So the Gemara answers, Rabbanan Savri, the rabbis held, Yarshi'un. It's true. Yarshi'un is plural. And therefore it's saying Yarshi'un Elohim. When it says Yarshi'un Elohim, it means you need two judges. That's true. Let's just explain this outside. What the Rabbanan understand is as follows. You do need two in the end. But what it's saying is, with the first one, the first Elohim that's listed, which is one, plus the second time it says Elohim, that's two. In total, you're going to have two, but it doesn't mean two different groups of two that makes four, but rather one Elohim plus another Elohim, that's going to be Yarshi'un, a plurality. Now you have two because one plus one is two. You can't have two because it can't be even. In Mele, you have to have three. Let's read that inside. For Rabbanan Savri and the Rabbanan hold, Yarshi'un, when it says they shall incriminate, it is a plurality. What does it mean? Deha'ech, of that one. Meaning the Yarshi'un tells us you need two judges. What does it mean? Of that one. The Vehai and this one, the first Elohim plus the second Elohim, that actually creates a plurality, but it doesn't mean four, it just means two in the verses. And now that it can't be an even number, now it would have to be three, and that's why the rabbis say you need three in order for, for the, to adjudicate monetary cases. And we're going to stop here at the top of Dalet Amudbet, but tomorrow we're going to have to continue on in this new Mahalach of Ravach Bar Yaakov to understand the Machloket, understand the other four debates that we quoted that uh, the other Tanaim was seem to hold Yeshem Lemesoret now that we're saying actually everyone agrees Yeshem Lemikra. We'll pick up tomorrow at Dalim Bet. Everyone have a wonderful day.